two, three, hit me. Ready. We're ready. You ready, bro? Yes, sir. Let's, Let's do it. Let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. Podcast is here. Episode number 13. Make some noise. Make some noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo, 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 woo. If you're in the car, on the toilet, working out, or on the couch, make some noise for the Life with Adam and Others podcast. There you go. There you go. Hey, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe or follow. Leave a review in Apple Reviews. Whatever you got to do, just share the podcast, man. And if you want to be on the podcast or if you know of anybody who should be on this podcast or their story can be heard across the world, email me at lifewithadamj at gmail.com and we'll get them on the show. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I got an amazing, amazing guest on with me today. This guy, his, uh, I met him here in Norfolk, Virginia for all the listeners. I moved out here to Norfolk uh, about nine to eight months ago. And this guy, man, I'm telling you, you guys, you're going to be in for, uh, you're going to be in for it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pizzas and hot dogs, put your name or put your hands together for my main man damien joshua albert edward ramirez yeah man i, I don't think i've heard that come out like that in a long time <laughs> so damien you are my first in-person guest bro yeah man thank you Pleasure. <laughs> you guys don't know i already said it already i met damien out here in norfolk virginia and this guy his story is just amazing we met at church actually and the first time I came to uh, Big House Church is where we go to church. I saw this guy. He's about like seven foot. <laughs> <laughs> six, seven. Six, six, seven. And yeah. I was like, man, because I was looking for a barber. I was looking for somebody who can cut hair. And at the time, you know, I was kind of intimidated, but he had a nice fade and he had on this suit. And I was like, man, I, I asked Janelle, I was like, I should go up to him and say, oh, man, I'm going to do has a nice haircut. But I didn't. You know, I don't know why, because I thought you, you know you, you should have, man. Yeah, I should have, I should have. But when you when you move into like a new area, you know, you don't want to come off all weird and stuff. The intimidating but. aspect of like getting to know new people and not knowing how they are and all that. Yeah, it, I feel that exactly, exactly. So, Damien, bro, thank you for coming on the show, man. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I uh, twenty seven. Um, I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas, um, and I moved out to Norfolk, I want to say, what, 2014. I joined the Navy in June of 2014, and I got stationed in Norfolk and um, been here ever since. Um, I mean, I tell people I've been here ever since, but I spent like three and three and a half years accumulated in the last five or six years overseas or uh, underway, you know, with the Navy. So. I've been here, stationed here. My my clothes, at least, have been here for yeah for five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, man. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I I think uh, I wanted to move back to Texas when I got out of the uh, Navy, but um, you know, the Lord was really just. I, I wouldn't even say at that time it was the Lord. It was just me not knowing what I what I should do. What would be the smart decision to make? Because I was going through a lot. Um, transitioning out of the Navy. And so, um, so here we are, man. I'm here. Yeah. So, so why did you, why did you want to go to the Navy? Was it something in, in high school you were like, oh man, I always do that. Or was it kind of man, just like. Crazy story. I, um, really, I think, so 
I was out of high school. I honestly was like, I'm never going to join the military. Like yeah, I was one of those yeah. guys who was like, I will not put my life in the line for these spoiled Americans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and uh, I had a girlfriend when I was, I think I was 18, 19, still a good friend of mine, Jessica Martinez. Um, shout out, shout out. She, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she was joining the Navy when we were dating. And okay. I was totally against it. And I tried everything in my power to get her <laughs> to just stay home. Anyway, she goes to boot camp, and, uh, you know, unfortunately we had to, to split ways. And uh, I mean, we remained friends, but she came back um, after boot camp. Her A school was in San Antonio. And so I was able to see her while she was going through A school and so forth. And, um, and uh, we stayed in touch. And, you know, I just thought to myself, like, uh, you know, she was telling me, well, you're not really doing anything with your life right now. Like, Dang. this is a good stepping stone. You know, it'll, it'll get you where you need to go. Some security, yeah. you know, money, so forth and so on. And I was just like, I mean, I, I was telling her, we were just friends. So I was telling her like, yeah, that's a good idea. But in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll see her again, wherever she gets stationed and yeah. rekindle yeah. that fire. So, I mean, I had nothing to lose and it took, it took a little while. It took about, about a year after I went to the recruiter to actually get into boot camp. Um, nice. But yeah, she kind of inspired that. And then I was kind of, you know, I went with it and it didn't go the way that I intended it for it to go, but um, that's, it's better that way anyway. So um, yeah, man. So do you like regret going? Or getting enlisted? No, definitely not. Oh, I mean, nice, nice. I had a, I had a super, I had a difficult time. There, there are several experiences that I had that I wish I didn't have. Yeah. But they, again, it's all just a stepping stone and it really helped to, to create the man that I, that I needed to be, you know, the man, yeah. I had to go through to, to, to be the man that I am today. So, you know, I can't help but give thanks for the good and the bad, you know? Yeah. I mean? So that's um, good. I'm grateful for every experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so what was one of like the craziest moments you had? I don't know if it was overseas or here. Um, if, if you can share it. Yeah, man. Uh, just in terms of like deployment or like. Yeah. Just something that you like you see in movies or like, I don't know, something, yeah, something, well, something crazy. I, I think, I think naturally like um, people uh, tend to, when they look at like sailors, yeah, they tend to associate them with like alcohol and drinking. Right. So, I mean, um, I had several experiences overseas just being drunk and, <laughs> and, uh, and having some fun with it. But I think, um, I don't know, there are some crazy experiences that maybe I shouldn't share, but I know that there was a crazy <laughs> experience that I had. I went to, we were in, where were we at? We were in Rota, Spain. And um, our, like, the time that we had to, to go back to the ship when Liberty was secured for us, it was like 11 o'clock or, or whatever for like E3 and below. Okay. And so it was at 11 PM and you had to have your, your uh, Liberty buddies with you at all times. Okay. Had to go in groups. So at about eight or nine o'clock at night, I mean, I'm saying we leave in the morning at like nine in the morning and just go out in the town and just get drunk throughout the entire wow, night. You dang. know what I mean? So we're day drinking and we're having a good time. So eight o'clock, so at night, uh, my Liberty buddies, they're like, hey, man, everybody's talking about this, this club. Like, it should be on and popping. It should be a good deal. And I was like, man, I'm really not trying to go. 
they were like, well, it's a, it's a strip club. And I was like, I'm really not trying to go to a strip club. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like it just, even, even at that time, I wasn't even serving the Lord, but just having been um, raised in the church, I just felt yeah. uncomfortable being at strip clubs. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll hold off. And they're like, no, we got to go. We got to go. And you don't have a choice because you got to go with your Liberty buddies. <laughs> they're like, so no, nah, you got like, go. Oh man, you got me. So anyways, we go to the strip club and, um, Let's just say it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> necessarily a strip club that you would you might find in in America. It ended up being a brothel, and it oh <laughs> was a super awkward, just Dang. really oh man, it was just an experience that I <laughs> that I that Dang. I had that I just was like oh man, I need to get out of here. And everybody, you know, it's crazy when you grow up in in a church or when when the Lord has covered your life and. Yeah. You know, you get in situations like that and there's just an immediate, um, even when you're not serving or following the Lord, there's an immediate yeah. conviction that you get when you're yeah, in situations yeah, like that. You true, know what I mean? True. And it's like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. It's like, well, how do you, you know, all your friends might find it fun and entertaining. And for you, it's just like, this is, this is just not, ooh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. I, go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not sign up for this. Um, but um, the rest of the crazy experiences are maybe a little too crazy. No, that's good. Yeah, that's man. a good. That's a good one. I think we can let our imaginations uh, flutter. Yeah, you know, from we can, there, yeah. yeah, you can. You can only imagine what yeah. goes on further than that. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, man, there was there was one time you're talking about that. So when I was engaged, well, when I was engaged to Janelle, um, I was working in the oil field at the time in uh, Midland, and we had an off night. Cause the, uh, the rig, it was shut down because it was too cold outside or something like that. Right, right. So everybody just didn't have anything to do. So we had an off night. Everybody's at the man camps. And then they're like, Hey man, we're going to go to the strip club. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, bro. Nah. They're like, no, nah, Adam, <laughs> you got to come with us. You got to come right, with right, us. Right. So they didn't literally drag me in the car, but I was just like, nah, man, I'm not going to go. They're like, bro, you have to go, man. You can't, we can't leave anybody behind. We can't leave anybody behind. Yeah. Cause oil food, the, the camaraderie out there is I would say it's kind of like the military where mm -hmm. it's like, you got to have a shaven face. You got to dress a certain way. You got to be with your, 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 your group, your crew is what we called it. Sure. So anyway, they dragged me out, not literally, but figuratively. And I, I went in the car with them and I'm like, I right, only go, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the car the whole time. Yeah. I'll go with y'all. Yeah. And the caveat was they're like, all right, if you go, we'll, we'll buy you food. Right. So I'm like, okay, you yeah. tell me you're going to buy me food. I'll go. So we drive there, they get to, they pull up to the strip club and man, I'm like, it's in Midland, like Odessa. It's like, yeah, yeah. just, just not a good area. It's, it's, right, it's not a good sure. area, bro. It's like not a good area. It's Odessa, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk down about Odessa, yeah. but, but it's, it was, it was not, it was trash, man. All right. No, it was, it was okay. And, I think that's uh, what's cool, man, is that we're both from Texas, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, we can yeah, yeah, yeah. We can familiarize ourselves with each other's story just a little bit, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So pull up and then uh, my boys are like, hey man, uh, Come on, let's go. You got to get out. I'm like, nah, man, I can't. I'm sorry, bro. I just can't. And I tell them because they know I'm a believer. They know I'm a Christian. They're right. like, bro, this is, you can watch. You can just look. Right. But at that time, man, I was like, nah, man, I got to be an example. I got to be example for them, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm engaged. Like my whole life was transformed now. Probably right. five years before that or so, I would have definitely probably sure. went in because yeah, for one, I wasn't saved. And for two, I wasn't engaged. So I was right. like, yeah, I'll go in, whatever. Yeah. It, it ain't no big deal cool and right. i was about that lifestyle anyway because yeah 
I was I was about it. Oh. Yeah. I, I used to work in a strip club. Right. People don't even know that. Man. So <laughs> this was back when I was 18. But that's another story. Long story short, I didn't go yeah. inside. I stayed yeah. and I texted my wife, Janelle, and I was like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm we're here at the strip club, right. but I did not go inside. I'm staying outside in the car. And I stood out in the car and then they came back out about an hour. They yeah. said, man, it was whack, man. It was, I, was, I told y'all it's so <laughs> stupid. Why are you going in there? That's the thing, man, is, you know, people expect to go out, you know, and, and club and, and, you know, get, get wasted and have a good time. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I understand where their perspective is and it being a good time. But at the end of the day, you know, you kind of just have this, you know, when you wake up the next morning, you're like, you know, everybody says that, man, I'm not drinking anymore. You know, you're yeah, hurting, yeah, yeah, you're just exactly. miserable. You're like, man, like, you know what I mean? And I can go out now, you know, and, and I used to be the same way, you know, mm-hmm. but I can go out now and, um, you know, have, have a game night with, with the guys from the church and we'll just, you know, just hang out, grill some meat and, and, you know, and it'll be the time of my life. And then I'll get up the next morning and I'm like, man, I can't wait to do that again. Exactly. You know what I mean? So there's no feeling of regret. There's no feeling of, and I, I'm not going to do that for another month. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, it's like, hey, <laughs> let's do this again tomorrow. You let's know go. What I mean? Let's so. go. Yeah. I like that. I like that, man. I like that. So that being said, bro, you weren't always a believer. And I love the, the stories that people have, right? Yeah, and the purpose of the show, you guys know, the listeners know, I told you a little bit about it, but it's to inspire people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of migrated into just basically telling stories and highlighting stories of people in their lives, whether it's like whatever they're doing. But it seems like the Lord has always been in every podcast right. and how like the, the Lord has really just either shaped someone or encouraged someone to be a better businessman, be a better person, this and that. But going back to what you said, you said you weren't always like that. Right. What happened? Like yeah, man. what, what, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little about, a little bit about your testimony, because I believe that when you share your testimony or you, when you share your life story, people will get inspired by that for, sure. for those who are going through it or who have gone through it or who may have backslidden. And they're yeah. like, man, I need to like, I need to be encouraged or I I'm encouraged now from hearing right. Damien's story. No doubt. Yeah, you man, know what I mean? The, um, you know, the story of the prodigal is, is such an amazing story and the Lord is really, really, I think doing a lot with the prodigal. Um, you know, and, and the backslider. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in a very legalistic church. And so I think, you know, uh, it doesn't really what matter what my perspective is on other people or how other people view me. Yeah. Um, but I think there are some believers who would, who would say, you know, like you're, you're still a backslider and, oh, and, wow. and they're in my, that's how legalistic it was. You know what I mean? They, they they'll view me and they're like, you wearing earrings and you're, you know, you have tattoos. Tattoos, yeah, whatever. that's a name they want tattoos. No, you're, you know, you're destined for hell. And I'm like, man, this is like the love that you learned from the Lord. Like, are you serious? But anyway, yeah, man, the, the Lord has so much that he wants to do with the prodigal. And once they come back, it's just like the, the prodigal, I think, is going to be the prodigal's gen. I don't feel like it's necessarily a generation, but the story of the prodigal um, and every prodigal around the world is going to be one that really has i think in my opinion the greatest impact on the kingdom mm, um that's good man yeah man but uh yeah i so i grew up like i said i grew up in a very legalistic church um in san antonio and don't get me wrong like i love a lot of the people that i met yeah, there yeah and um not everybody was like super you know legalistic and some people kind of felt like the same way that i felt like this is a little bit of, like 
this is a little much, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I got you. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up, being born and raised in the church, you know, you don't really get to decide how, what your perspective is and how things go. This is just what you know. Um, and so we weren't allowed to have TVs. I mean, my parents hid our TV when oh, people really? would come wow. over. We still had a TV, but my parents hid it every time people came over. Um, and what? Uh, yeah, a man, TV? that's what I'm saying. Dang. So, and, and this isn't to like dog my parents, no, but no, no. Okay, cool. my, my perspective of religion was that of a very hypocritical one. Like if the, if we're doing this, then what are other people doing? Uh, and as I got yeah. older, um, into my teenage years, I mean, I'd seen people kicked out of the church several times, for small things like making out and like, you know. And, and that's stuff that the Lord really does need to deal with in the church and that there mm-hmm. should be some sort of discipline for. But there's also a, a, a necessity in grace and in mercy through, through people. Well, yeah, um, amen. And so, that's um, good. you know, I just, I, I grew very resentful toward uh, the hypocrisy that I'd seen in leadership, the hypocrisy that I'd seen. I mean, unfortunately, in my family and, and, uh, you know, and just kind of all over, you know, when you're in a community of people, that's all you see is a community. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was just consistent hypocrisy. And the reason I say that was because I chose not to be that person. I was like, well, if I'm going to live for the Lord, the way these people are doing it, like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm just not going to live for the Lord. Um, oh, wow. yeah. I'll come okay. to church, but I'm not, that's not, you know, I don't want to be two, two kind of people. You, you- you want to be all in. Right, you, exactly. You, I want to be all you. in. And I yeah. would have, you know, coming into my teenage years, I would have friends who were like serving ministry and worshiping and, 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 you know, the front of the church. And then, you know, would get in my, you know, come over to spend the night. Homies that would come over, spend the night, we would hang out. And they're cursing and, you know, talking about how they're, you know, bloods or whatever. They're not, you know, <laughs> and I was like, not a, a friend of mine who called him white boy. You know, we were good friends. My best friend actually at the time. And, and uh you know he was one of those guys i loved him to death but he was like man yeah man i'm a blood oh. i was wearing red and i'm like bro you're <laughs> not a blood bro. you're like 12 years old bro. Oh what are you God. talking about that's funny. um but yeah so growing into that people began to see that i had maybe in their perspective a uh just kind of like a rebellious spirit or mm. just i didn't want to give in yeah and so I got people you. actually became open with me about their own sin and about oh, okay. their own you know two ways of living and so i'm finding out people are you know snorting coke you know right before they go to church and Dang, stuff you yeah. know what i mean and i'm like yeah so it only adds on to my perspective of what what it means to be a christian at that time you know and i'm i'm a teenager so i'm not our minds aren't fully developed yeah and so i'm beginning to develop a mindset that that, that christians are just people who say they're a Christian and wow. they practice something on a Sunday and Wednesday and Friday, wow. but don't really apply any of it. And I refuse to be that person. Also, um, unfortunately there's a lot of like instability in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, um, my mom actually, when I was 14 ended up kicking me out of that. Oh. Um, she, she literally like she woke me up and, and, I think that maybe she had some mental health issues that she was dealing with and, and all that. Um, Cause again, this isn't just slander. I love her. You know what I mean? I love my mother. Yes. Yes. Uh, we don't have the greatest relationship, but I love her nonetheless. Yeah. Um, 
And so anyway, um, she was very, very strict with us because of that legalism and strictness in the church. It rolled yeah. right into the, the household. And, um, you know, she woke me up one morning and my, di my, her discipline for me was that I was supposed to wash all the dishes. And I grew up with, uh, six, six, six siblings. Well, I get um, that. You know what <laughs> I mean? And washing the dishes. Yeah, man. Be. So her, her yeah. discipline was like, I'm going to make this dude wash all the dishes. And we had mad dishes. She liked to hoard like Tupperware. Uh -huh. Um, so we had mad dishes. And so I'm washing these dishes and it's like two or three in the morning. And I'm like, geez, man, like I'm tired. I got to go to school in the morning. So I was like, I'm just going to get some shut eye. Well, anyway, I woke up the next, well, not the next morning, but I woke up to my mom. She, you know, she, it's like, Back in that day, you know, getting, getting slapped wasn't really <laughs> child abuse, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, so she slapped me in the back of my head, she slapped me in the back of my head and uh, woke me up and I was like, man, what the heck? And um, she, uh, you know, she woke me up and she was like, what are you doing? Like, oh, getting some shut eye. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, I'm tired and got to get to school in the morning. Anyway, I had always been tall, you know, for my age and. And I had gotten to the point where I was bigger than her. And she, she took that as, I don't know, maybe a threat or just as an excuse to feel threatened mm. or whatever. But she didn't like my tone and she didn't like my, um, my attitude. Um, not to say that I posed up to her or anything like that, but she felt that way. Oh, And so I was like, well, okay, like, it's what it is. Um, so she asked me to take off my shirt, to take off my shoes. What? And to take off my glasses. And she told me to leave. And that was that. Three in the morning. Um, Dang. I kicked out of the house. And uh, I, I walked probably about a mile and a half, two miles out. And there's this field um, at the corner of my neighborhood that I was walking through to kind of get to the street. I didn't really know where I was going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you go at three in the morning as right. a 14 year old? You right. know what I mean? So and with no glasses. Right. So Everything I'm walking through this field and all of a sudden, I don't know if you, I mean, you're from Texas too. So you yeah. call them stickers. The, yeah. Yeah. The sticker little, bugs. Yeah. Yeah. So I was stepping all over stickers and I was Oh man, you know, she took my shoes. So was, shoes. So you yeah. just had your underwear. I had to walk. Well, I had some shorts, shorts on. Shorts. Yeah. Um, so I walked over to the, to the side of the curb and I ended up, you know, ripping the stickers out of my feet. Didn't know where to go. So I came back, um, went to my neighbor's house and I, you know, rang on the doorbell and I was like, Hey, can I sleep here? I had my mom kick me out. I don't know where to, where to go. Um, so that was just one of many stories in the, in, in which I experienced what would now definitely be considered a neglect or abuse. Um, and back then it was just like, you know, like your mom and dad putting their foot down, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, growing up that way, as soon as I could, you know what I mean? I ended up moving back in for a short while. Then my parents ended up getting separated, mm. moved out with my dad, okay. um, because of all of that abuse and so forth and so on, and my mom's mental state and so forth. Um, then my, um, ended up staying with my dad that didn't work out. Just, just really unstable as far as like, um, housing. Um, gotcha. And so there was several nights where it was like sleep under the bridge type deal. Really? Um, yeah, man. Dang. Um, and, and you know, uh, you know, it's just kind of like you make it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I got wow. offered to live with a, I was still going to church, 
I didn't really believe in, in God and all that stuff, but I, you're I, still going. That was the only community that I had was church. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. So I still wow. went. And it's crazy how important community is. Uh, you know, yeah. long for relationship with people. And even in the worst of places that you can be, you know, mentally, emo- emotionally, physically, you still long for relationship. Um, and so I met a family, a um, couple of nice elderly white people. Uh, that went to the church and they lived out in Castroville, which is like, like to me, it's like white city, USA. <laughs> um, and so I moved up with them. They had a bunch of land and, and that was a good time. I stayed with them for a couple of months. You know, I was just again, in and out, figuring out the living situation all throughout my teenage years. Um, so as soon as I could, I got a job at McDonald's and I moved in with a couple of friends. Um, and that's when kind of things started to get a, a bit more aggressive, started to get into um, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, and, and I wasn't a part of a gang, but started experiencing gang violence. We had um, my roommates and I, we were one of, one of my roommates, he ended up like stealing a couple of pounds of weed from um, his dealer. His dealer ended up showing up in my apartment Ooh. and shooting up my apartment. Ooh. And, um, you know, and then all the while I was meeting people at clubs and I was really getting my name out there in San Antonio partying and stuff like that. And so myself and a friend of mine, we were were both pretty big. We called him Big Brown. I was Big D. He was Big Brown. Um, And we would we would get hired as like undercover, quote unquote, undercover security for like um, small house parties and stuff like that. People began to know us and they're like, oh, yeah, we can bring them on. You know, they, nice. they won't drink. And so we started doing that. Um, ended up at like two or three. We ended up like kicking some guys out and they returned and uh, sh- like shot at, shot at us a couple of times, man. Dang. It was just like I was really getting involved with the wrong like arena. And I didn't know how to get out of it because my new community was. Yeah. Was street and and the, it was the streets you know yeah. what i mean it was my was homies just... in the streets and and whatever they had so i don't like to, to call myself hood or or thug or i thought i was back then <laughs> uh, but really i was just a scrub um <laughs> just, but, a, um, just a scrub you know it's just experiences that i went through and honestly you know i look back today and i'm like you know there are probably like four or five times that i could count that i should have died Dang. you know what i mean wow. that i should have been dead um well, I got to the point when I was, I think, 18 or 19, um, super desperate, um, still living at the same apartment. And I was working at a buffet called Furs as a server. I was making actually really good money, you know, for 18 or 19. And so um, I had a party at my apartment that night. And I think like four or five fights broke out. Like I had like like 80 or 90 people show up and we were just getting drunk and yeah and getting crazy and at this time i had a new set of of uh roommates and there were two 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 twins two lesbian twins it was kind of weird how that worked out like they were twins but they were both lesbians Um, oh wow yeah yeah and so um and so i moved in with them and growing up again in that religious household you feel like 
if you're the only man who lives in the house, you're the man of the house. Like you got to yeah. make sure everything is cool. Um, anyways, all those fights break out. Like I'm having issues just in my mind about like self-esteem and I can't hold down a relationship and I can't get girls to like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I ended up just, uh, what they call crossfading. I don't know if you know what that is, but crossfading is Mm. just getting, getting drunk, getting high. And like, oh yeah, just mixing it all up. Yeah, we just would do getting that. Wasted. You we know would call I mean? getting it turned up or throwed yeah, or man. whatever. Just getting cross. You said crossfaded. Cross yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I got um, you. And so, so that night I got in a fight with I. Li- I got in a physical hand fight with um with a friend of mine, and I had to kick him out of my house. And and I literally had to like grab him, pick him up, and throw him out of my door. So Dang. when I'm saying like throw him out of you my apartment, I literally had to throw him out of my apartment. I mean, you're a big dude too, so I believe it. So yeah, I believe man. It. I mean, at the time I was like 165 pounds, oh, you know, so I was as scrawny <laughs> as can be. That's pretty skinny. But uh, still, hey, but still, the big. height still has a factor too. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but um, I remember that night. I um, after I kicked him out, that was every everybody was gone, and um, my my uh, another good friend of mine was in my room like crying i don't know what for i'm like what? why is this dude crying <laughs> man like what's going on and then my roommates were in their room um and uh so i sat in the living room it's like six in the morning four, no it's like five five o'clock in the morning and i had enough and i called my dad wow and i was like i was i mean i pretty much told him like like, this is it, man. Like, this is what you get for what I felt like was neglect because it was like, mm. he wasn't abusive. He was, I mean, there was a couple of times we got in, in some, some fights, um, but yeah. he wasn't necessarily abusive to me. He was just neglectful to the abuse that was being delivered through my mom. Yeah. Um, and he would have rather pleased my mom than, you know, and he didn't come to that understanding until well, after obviously we moved out and he got separated or whatever, but at that point it was too late. Yeah. Um, and then I called my mom and I just cut, cursed her out. And I was like, yo, like you are bleep, bleep, bleep. Like mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm done with you. And I hope mm. that you know that you did this to me. Um, and uh, I threw my phone and I broke my phone after that. Um, and I walked out. Well, I looked down and I saw a shard of glass was stuck in my foot and I pulled it out. It was a broken glass from the broken bottle that my friend had broken when he was trying to fight me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, this life is just not worth. There's literally no, like, how am I this young and already dealing with all of this? Like this life is just not worth living. Um, didn't feel purpose or anything. Um, so. I left, I walked out and I remember I got to the end of like my apartment complex and I was like, God, if you're real, this is your only opportunity to show me like this mm. is it. Mm. And so then I walked out to the edge of, of the street um, and I waited for an oncoming car and I walked in front of a, an oncoming vehicle and well, I closed my eyes rather. And I mean, I was terrified, honestly, because I grew up again in a very legalistic church. So no matter what I do, I'm going to burn in hell. You know what I mean? Wow. And so almost that prayer to God was like, God, like, I really hope I don't burn in hell rather than like save me from my death. 
Mm. Um, and so I walked out on the street uh, in front of the oncoming vehicle. And for some reason, like for me, it, it doesn't make sense because it's like, I, there's no way I couldn't have gotten hit. Yeah. Um, but I closed my eyes and, and I just felt the, the, the car literally like the, the side view mirror grazed by me, um, hit my arm. And then I, and then I got terrified. Obviously I just almost died. And so I stepped back onto the curb and I fell on my knees and I just started weeping, weeping, bro. It's like, Oh my goodness. Like what's going Mm -hmm. on? Like, and within minutes, get this within minutes, my older sister, Ashley, I hadn't called her. I hadn't talked to her. She pulls up at my apartment complex and she's like, I had a, I just had a dream that you were like in danger and you weren't answering your phone. I had broken my phone um, and you weren't answering your phone. And I had to come check on you. And that's while I was sitting at the curb, like moments after I had attempted to take my life. And, um, so that was kind of my first experience where I was just like, man, okay, God is real. Um, Yeah. And I still wasn't ready to kind of give in to him entirely, but, but that was the first experience that I had where I was like, no, definitely real. Um, And then, uh, yeah, man. So shortly after that, my life continued. I met a girl and Mm -hmm. ended up, you know, a couple of years later joining the Navy. And wow. uh, wow, wow. Yeah, man. We're going to pause right there. Dang. That's nuts, bro. Yeah, man. You, uh, I mean, dude, I don't even know. <laughs> that was God, bro. Like, definitely was God. I was There's getting chills. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah man. man. That's, that, I mean, that's powerful, bro. Like, what you just said there, because he, he shows up in those times when you, like, when you least expect it. Right. You know, that reminded me. I remember I got on my hands and knees, and I was like, God, if you are really real, please present yourself to right. me. And he did. And I tell people that, and they just like, no, nah, man, it's not real, but. it happened to you and i never told you about that story and i know it's happened to countless other people but for you to get grazed by a a rear view uh what is it a side side mirror mirror, yeah dang man so so like can you go into more detail of like how did you feel after that you were just like like, i mean immediately like like, my my, i mean you know you again i i stepped back onto the curb and i realized i didn't want to die yeah you know that that small graze it wasn't even a graze enough to like be painful it was just like a, like almost just like the wind passed right next to my arm. You know what I mean? Um, but I sat back and I was kind of just in shock. My heart was racing and it was just like, I was just weeping, just weeping. And I didn't know, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to be like, thank God, like God, yeah. you answered my prayer. But at the same time, I was so mad at God for not letting me die. Like wow. it was like, I don't, like, I want to be dead. I just don't want to go to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want this. Um, but when my sister showed up and told me her side of the story, then it was like, oh, geez, like a dream. Like, like, come on. Like, yeah. And this, she is, just- this is like once in a lifetime, like deal. Like, you don't, you've. I've never had an experience where she just pulled up on me and was like, I needed to check on you. That was the only experience that I had where she was like, just checking on me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this is not, it was out of character for yeah. her. Yeah. Um, and so 
Um, the next day, I mean, I went, I went to the hospital and I was able to process. And okay. She, she admitted me to the hospital for like 24 hours and I was able to kind of process where I was at and yeah. had to go through therapy and, you know, whatever. And really it was just like a holding center for people to, to for the, I guess, doctors or whatever to decide whether or not I was in imminent danger to myself. Um, okay. And uh, I left the hospital and I kind of just went back to my old ways after that. You know what I mean? And it was just like. It was just, yeah. It was mind blowing experience, but it was also like, I was, I was honestly super mad at, at God for not letting me die. And Cause I mean, it was like, that's, that's a miraculous experience. It's not, that's, that's a supernatural experience. It's not just something that just happened. So I could totally blame it on God that it, that I didn't die. I didn't get my way. Um, and thank God, obviously now today that it, that I didn't get my way. Um, but also that you know, not, not applying that in full, you know, that the Lord was really trying to do something with me and needed me around on earth Mm -hmm. and had a reason for me on earth, not applying that really led to a lot of future pain that I experienced even after the fact. Gotcha. Because I refused. Now, not only am I mad at my mom Mm. and my dad, Mm. but I'm mad at God. Yeah. You know, and so that led to bitterness yeah. with, with the Lord for years. Now, but that's good that you're sharing this, bro, because I know, I know people now and I know people have gone through so the, not your exact story, but similar, right. you know, experiences, experiences definitely. Right. But it's crazy how God will continue to chase you and can chase after you. Um, but how, how, like, so processing that, so you were about 18 and 19 around right. that time. And you had this experience and that experience grew to like bitterness and just, just went back to your old ways, Yeah, but you were touched, you know, you, right. you had a sense of being touched. So can you tell us what happened after that? Like after, right. you know, go, go back to your ways, you say you end up getting married. Right. Or, yeah. Or so, that. so after all that happened, I had to believe in God. That was the thing. It's like, like you knew you you knew he, you knew. Right. That was, was the thing. Real. Is like beforehand it was just like, ah, like God is questionable. I don't really understand his existence and I don't really even believe that he's there. Yeah. All this pain, there's no way he's there. Um but after that point, for me to be mad at God, I have to believe in him. You know what I mean? So the argument even for a lot <laughs> of atheists are that's like, good. like when I did have God or when I was a Christian or when whatever is like, he wasn't there and, and all this evil transpired. Um, and so even if God was real, like he doesn't deserve my time, blah, blah, blah. But for you to be mad or to be bitter, even in your heart, without you being aware of it, mm. for you to be upset with an entity that you don't believe exists kind of debunks your argument. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, like how can something not exist? Mm-hmm. If you're upset with it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, going on from there, it was like, now I had to believe that God was real and I had to make a conscious choice not to follow him. Mm. Um, Ooh. And so. That's the one. Right. That's so then the it one. was like, I like, I'm mad at him, so I'm not going to follow him. And like, it doesn't matter what happens now. Cause I'm just choosing not to do this because he didn't let me die. Um, and so anyway, you know, throughout, you know, at 21, I joined the Navy. I mean, I had good and bad experiences. Again, like I said, met a girl, so forth and so on. Um, had really like a lot of different experiences. And I still went to church. 
Like Dude, every, I didn't go that's, to church that's cool though. regularly, but I still went to church. You still had your place. Right. You, you still knew. Because there's, knew. again, like I said earlier, that, that longing for community, you know, it's like my friends that I grew up with were still there. So I still went. So I wow. still got preached to. So I still had conviction falling on me, even mm. though I refused to follow mm. that conviction. Um, anyway, joined the Navy. And I was kind of like, at a point where I was like, Excuse me, I, um, when, I went, when I went into the Navy, when I got to boot camp, I was looked at as like the religious dude because once I got around a whole new group of people who didn't know me, yep. and I knew I wanted to be, God put, puts our character in us from jump. Like the Lord knows what he wants to do with our lives exactly. yep. before we're even created. Yeah. And so- he gave me my character from the jump. Like, so even mm. while I was mad at him, my character was still my character. And I always wanted to help people and talk to people and influence people and just be a positive. Um, you know, I wanted to be the friend that were like, that was like, it doesn't matter what anybody does in my life or even what Damien does. Yeah. Because I know that at the end of the day, I can count on him and I can, trust him with issues and so forth. And um, so I met a bunch of people in boot camp and in the Navy, and I was just trying to be inspirational. And so my way to inspire them was to pray for them. Amen, bro. Um, Amen. That's, and that's so what's up. even though I was fighting my own battles, I was praying uh, in boot camp with all of my uh, uh, division. Wow. Uh, shout out division 939, my boy Mac <laughs> and all of them. Um, but I was praying with my division. And they weren't even aware of my own battles that I was having with the Lord. They just looked at me as a lover of the world. That's crazy. Yeah. That's good. And so. Um, I know a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, no That's, doubt. That definitely. Um, definitely. But I got into the Navy and then heartbreak started coming for real. The girl okay. that I was dating at the time, she, I had started dating a girl prior to joining the Navy and we dated for like several years mm. on and off. And she actually had a baby that like six months before we started dating, she had a baby. So when her child was like six months old, up until like her child was four, I think on her fourth birthday is when I called her. It was my first underway with the ship. And it was her, uh, her, her name was, and it was her first, or I'm sorry, her fourth birthday. And I called to talk to her and her mom was like, um, I got to tell you something. And immediately. Oh, she had cheated on me or she uh, was pregnant uh, and I was totally correct. She told me I'm pregnant and you know, I cheated on you and we're not going to work. out. Uh, and I was like, dang. So that was devastating heartbreak. You know what I mean? And then I dated a couple more times in between. And again, devastated heartbreak, just constantly going out to sea and nobody, I couldn't get a girl to, to stay faithful to me while I went out to sea. So now I have on top of my God issues, and my mommy issues and my, my own self-esteem and lack of purpose issues. Yeah. Now I have an issues with trusting Trust women issues, yeah. and, and being hey. able to be in a relationship. So I remember, um, I went out with a friend of mine, um, to, I listened to a lot of reggae music. I love reggae hey, music. There you and, go. um, one of my favorite artists that really got me through a lot of my hardships. His name is Kali Buds. Okay. And, um, I was going to a concert of his for the first time. He was in playing in Norfolk and uh, I was like, I'm deaf. I can't miss that. 
So I go with a friend of mine and I remember on my way there, we were like, we're going to get wasted and we're going to have a good time. And I was talking to him and I was like, dude, I'm telling you right now, I am done with women, bro. Like I'm not <laughs> feeling the dating game. I'm 22, 23. Um, and I'm like, I'm not feeling the dating game. I'm not with this. And he's like, yeah, no doubt, man. We're going to go get wasted and have a good time. And I was like, trust me, I'm going to play the game. Yeah, you, I'm, not, yeah. I'm done dating. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm still going, I'm still going to get mine. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so while I was at the concert, I was like, you know, there's girls all around me and I'm feeling good. I'm newly <laughs> single. I'm, you know, and, uh, and my favorite artist is in town. Right. So we get parking. Uh, we pay for like 32 bucks for parking, um, up until midnight and the show ended at like 10 30 or 11. So I was like, bro, like we paid all that money for parking. We got to find something to do. Yeah. So we end up walking over to Peabody's. Okay. Um, whack. I know whack club didn't necessarily want to be there, but he was underage. So I, that's the only option that I okay, had. It's an underage club. Right. Gotcha. So I see this girl, she's super tall, like super tall, six foot. Right. And oh, she's oh, obviously staring you. me down. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I actually wasn't, I, I wasn't, I'm not really into like tall girls. Um, yeah. but obviously like easy picking is easy picking. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's staring me down, bro. And so, but she has like this, this, like this dude with her, he's like five, seven, like a buck 20. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not a problem at all. Right. <laughs> so I ended up going up to her, dancing with her. Um, again, re now remember, all throughout this time, mm -hmm. I'm still going to church, finding churches to be at, to yeah. find community. Um, and so I met her Saturday night, got her number, ended up like at four in the morning, I get home and she's like, oh, thanks for such a good night. I had a good time. Um, I have to leave on, you know, tomorrow. I was like, well, before you leave, can I see you again? And she was like, oh, yeah. I was like, well, don't mind. Like, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to be my Sunday's best. Now you saw me at church, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. usually yeah. before I started coming here, the, the, the usual for me was like a three piece suit. Three like, piece no suit. I mean, nah, he was like, yeah, he was, he's, he's straight up three piece suit. You know what he I mean? Clean. Dapper. You know what I mean? So, um, I was like, I hope you don't mind that I'm in my Sunday's best. And she was like, oh, you go to church. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you love the Lord. And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> of course I I said I love the Lord, but that's my way in. You know what yeah, I mean? You got to yeah. figure out the the weak spot for the women for them to be <laughs> able to. You know what I mean? That's not advice, guys. That's yeah. not advice. Do it. Do it right. Love the Lord first, and <laughs> let the Lord love you. But um, anyway, so I started talking to her. We met up at IHOP. Um, long story short, we started dating for about three months. I find out that I'm going on my second deployment. Okay, I was voluntold. To go into my second deployment. Wow. And uh, out of Spain, I was going on a ship out of Spain and uh, I let her know. And she came over to uh, my barracks room, um, the, I think the weekend prior. And she was like, why don't we just get married? Wow. And I was just like, I had been thinking about it and I was talking to my friends and I was like, yo, I think I love this girl. Like she's, you know, she loves Jesus. And if she loves Jesus, then they can't go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. She loves Jesus. Um, and so we end up getting married um, like three months after we meet. Um, and I leave a few days after we get married um, on deployment. And uh, that was rough. 
But um, how get, long was deployment? Real quick, deployment. That was I think I was gone for six and a half months. Okay. Um, and so I got back, you know, ready to ready to be a newlywed, mm-hmm. and you know things are going great. Um, well, anyways, some information comes out, and unfortunately, she also had cheated on me oh. while I was gone, and so. But I uh, thought, well, once I get married, like I have to stay married. I got to work through these things. I had told her that if she ever cheated on me, that I would divorce her. But again, there is such a heavy heart that I think that there is for product that the Lord has for prodigals and just keeping himself attached to them. Um, and so I had told her that I would divorce her if that was the case. But in my heart, I just couldn't do it because um, oh, oh. I was called to be a man who builds a family and sticks with the family through thick and through thin, better and worse. Yeah. So I stuck with her and we ended up staying married for about three years. Um, and I, de- I deployed again and, um, you know, and she, she's not a bad woman. And so mm-hmm. I, one thing that I want to throw out there, a lot of people are like once cheaters, always cheaters. I don't believe that she, um, you know, she's a, she truly longs to love the Lord and, and, I think this is something that we need to recognize about mm-hmm. Christians, about yeah. people, is that they are just as normal as you and I. Yeah. Um, Amen. And that they're just as human and mistakes. People make mistakes no matter what. Pastors, priests, mm-hmm. rabbis, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. It doesn't make certain things excusable. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Yeah. It does. It does show that like no matter who you are, the Lord can use you, yeah. um, just be dependent on him. And so anyway, she, she, uh, we didn't end up working out. Um, but when I came back from my last deployment was really when it got back to the worst of the worst. I came back, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I was, mm. um, and I was also diagnosed with severe depression. Mm. Um, after seeing my psychologist for a while, I was actually kicked off of the ship because I couldn't deal with, um, the ship life, a lot of things had transpired on the ship that really had an effect on my mental health. Yeah. And, um, and I had gotten in trouble right before we got back from deployment. I ended up on restriction for 30 days after we returned from, from deployment. So while everybody was going out, you know, once we got home, I was yeah. stuck on the ship for 30 more days. What? Yeah, man. So it was just, how it was that? super bad, man. Yeah. It was, how is it was that like good for or anybody it's, with I'm telling you, man, anyone. like if you're not ready to deal with the military, you probably shouldn't join the military. That's but, crazy. Um, it's like we're gonna keep you on a ship knowing you got this issue. Exactly. But you know what I mean? So anyway, you know, it's just and again, I'm not Yeah. The military is good for some, you know what I mean? Just for me it wasn't. Um and so I went on leave for two days. After we, after I got off of the ship, cause we got back from deployment again, I was still stuck on the ship for 30 days. Um, so after that 30 days, I went on leave for two days, got a call back saying that we had to go underway on an emergency underway for hurricane relief or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I cannot do it. I can't do it. Um, and my chief was like, no, you're coming back. You're coming. I, I said, chief, I texted him, texted him back and I said, chief, I'm not going back you don't understand like i understand i'm in the military do what you got to do i'm not going back yeah um and so they wanted me back that that day 
I was in Pennsylvania on leave with my wife. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, I'm not going back. Like, I'll see you on Monday. That's when I'll be back. Um, so I showed up on Monday and uh, I was just crying, bro. I was like, I cannot leave again, bro. Again, like I said, I'd spend three years and eight months out of the five years that I was in the Navy at sea or on deployment. Jeez. Um, and so I just had enough. Um, and I called my wife and I was like, listen, if I, if I go, if they force me to go underway, like I'm either going to kill somebody or, mm. I'm, or I'm going to die. Like I'm going to kill myself. I can't, I, I can't handle this. So she was concerned and she called the ship and she was like, Hey, listen, like, this is what he told me. And they got me off of the ship. I went through psychology, through, um, to see my psychologist a couple of times a week. Um, and I was diagnosed with a severe uh, alcohol use disorder. I personally, to this day, think that that was a severe misdiagnosis, but that's what I was um, diagnosed with. And they ended up sending me to um, Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Program, or SARP, for okay. short. And I did that for 30 days. Um, all the while, my wife was very upset with me, and she just wanted to leave me. And so she had planned. She Dang. got an apartment and she rolled out. Damn, and I'm sorry, bro. No, I mean, to the, yeah. like I said, she's a good woman and I had put her through enough too. You know what I mean? I, I had my yeah. fair share of, of you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't the, 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 the best husband that I could have been. Um, but um, yeah, man, it was just a super rough time at this time. It's 2019. This was last year. Mm -hmm. um, the very beginning of 2019. Um, and it was just rough. Yeah. And so now I'm going through SARP, you know, I'm getting re rehab for, for a diagnosis that I don't believe I, I should have had to this day. So I'm stuck at a hospital for 30 days, going to AA twice a day. And I'm like, this does not at all apply to me, but I had to do it as military, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I gotta be where I'm told to be. Um, went through that. I'm going through, I had my first panic attack there because my, my wife at the time had called me and said, like, I'm done with you. Like you're garbage. Like pretty much like Jeez. I, I yeah. cannot do it. Um, and, uh, again, just rock bottom for me. Um, and so ended up going through a pretty aggressive divorce. It was, it was a, a consensual divorce, I guess, okay. or I okay. just kind of gave it to her. Yeah. Um, but there were some aggressive aspects to it. So I just, I, I had enough and I was like, okay, like we're going separate ways. Yeah. Um, got my own apartment led to a huge depression. I was alone. So I'm living now. I was alone at this point. I had no community. I stopped going to church. I had zero community I had zero people. Um, and I'm processing, trying to figure out how to be a civilian again, got a job at the barbershop. Um, and I just can't handle life. Yeah. And so I, um, I had another night and I got super wasted and I called my sister and I, I feel bad. And, and to this day, I apologize Ashley for doing that to you. Um, and Avery, my little sister. Mm. Um, but I FaceTimed them and I had, I held my gun to my head and I was mm. like, I can't do this. Um, and I was really trying to get them to talk me out of it. Um, and so I got a call from this guy that I met in AA. He said, Hey, listen, I'm going to go to your house. Um, don't do anything stupid. I, I heard that you needed some help. I'm on my way. He came over and he held onto my gun and I just weeped. 
Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I ended up falling asleep, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the next morning I was like, okay, God, <laughs> if you're real, I need you to fix this. And I said, I don't really believe, I mean, I believe in you, but I, I don't know how to, to live for you. Um, I said, so I'm going to let you give me a church. I'm going to like, but here's my, here's how it has to go. So one, I have to be able to go in the evening because I work I, at the time I was working on Sunday nights until three. Um, and so uh, it had to yeah. be after three o'clock on a Sunday evening. And I also said, I don't want to drive out of the way for you. Like I'm not spinning gas on you. Um, and it has to just be like a good church. So I looked online, I found big house. I saw that it wasn't really my style. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had been discriminated at a church before and it was a bunch of white people at this church. And I was like, <laughs> man, I can't do that, man. Uh, so it didn't look like my vibe from the photos, but then I looked up the address and I saw that it was two minutes away from my, my job. And I was like, well, you kind of follow through, you know what I mean? On, on, and it's <laughs> yeah. crazy how the Lord does that. The Bible says, don't test the Lord, but even yeah, yeah. am I testing the Lord? He said, okay, like I love you Man. and I'm going to meet you at where you're at. Wow. And so, um, I came to the church and, um, the worship was intense and the worship was, and you know how the worship is. Yeah. The worship was the worship. Yeah. And it was amazing. And it was something I hadn't experienced before. Again, growing up in a legalistic church, dancing and ribbons and all that was just a distraction. And so we weren't allowed to do that. Um, but being able to see people worshiping in the Holy Spirit and really just being in worship, loving on the Lord on. Um, was like, whoa. Um, and so I didn't know how to talk to anybody. And I was like, I don't know these people. We're culturally different. This, is, this isn't going to mix really. I said, so Lord, God, whatever. If nobody talks to me before I leave here, then I can kill myself and I'm, I'll be good with it. You Jeez. know what I mean? Um, and so on my way out, a friend of mine, um, Melissa Maynard, she's like a, like a, uh, like a mother to me now, like a, like a spiritual, spiritual mom, mama. a spiritual mama to me. She stopped me and she said, Hey man, the, the, the Lord really just wanted me to stop, stop you and let you know, like he loves you. And like, we would really love to see you again here. Ooh. And can I pray with you? And I was just like, moved in. Like, One, two, three, the Lord met all Damn. of my requirements. Right. So she prayed with me the following week I came back. Um, I had been thinking about moving back to Texas and Jerry gave me a word and he was just like, Hey, the Lord wanted me to, to let you know, um, that you're at home right now. Come that on. was kind of what I needed to know. On, like, this is where I'm staying. Yeah. The following week, um, Blake, Jerry, and another spiritual mother of mine, um, uh, prayed for me, got filled with the Holy spirit just started speaking really in tongues for the first time. Like, I mean, it wasn't the first time that I, I mean, I, all the times before that I acted like I was speaking in tongues this time. It was like the Lord had filled me with his Ooh. Holy spirit and I was just moved the following week. Um, I was kind of activated by a friend of ours. Um, Jack, he was a, an attendee here who would write, um, prophetic words during worship. And we were in small group and I just wanted to let him know that he was loved, he was moving. And so he kind of spiritually passed down the mantle of like prophetic journalism to me. And he was like, 
hey, listen, I just want you to take a journal to church and I want you to write down whatever the Lord gives you wow. and give it to That's whoever good. the Lord That's gives you. Did that, got feedback from it and the Lord was just constantly using me. And to this day, every time I come to church, every time I experience uh, community uh, with people from the church, whether it be a small group or just hanging out with people, people have entrusted me with their life and with prayer. And the Lord is really starting to activate the character that I've always had, yeah. but really kind of pushing me into where he wants me to be and has given me clarity of my calling and my purpose in life. And so whether or not it's involved with a woman uh, or creating a family or whatever, um, my, my hope, my trust, and my love is in the Lord and he will then provide all of my needs. Um, and so I'm just super blessed to have had such a dramatic experience in my life um, and been able to come and apply my experience and kind of witness as I'm doing now, testifying about my experience and, and just other people entrusting me with their lives and being able to be used in that way, man. So it's just, the Lord is so good and he's got a huge heart for the prodigal. Amen. And, um, so yeah, man, that's like the bulk of the hey, story. Bam, 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 bam. Put yeah, your hands man. together, man. Man, Appreciate that's powerful. It. That's powerful. Real quick. So if you guys are out there or you guys who are listening, see, that's a testament to me too, because I didn't know your story. Yeah. But the Lord was telling me to tell you, hey, man, I like your hair. Right. Like, I like your hair. And I get these little notions or these little voices in your head to just go up to someone and say, oh, just, just to say something nice. Yeah. But me, I was in myself. I was all insecure. I was, ah, I'm not going to tell him this. Like, uh, but, I, but I felt like, bro, you, you were the first person I was drawn to yeah. when I came here because of, like, I don't know. It was, I know it was the Lord. I know it was the Lord. Right. You were the first person. And, um, well, I feel, I feel I just, like we share a little bit in common more than, yeah, than the yeah. other guys. I mean, our, our taste of style and, yeah, and our yeah. haircuts and haircuts, you know, our, our skin tone. Cu is cu culturally, we're, <laughs> we're a little bit separated from the rest of the church. The Lord knows I love them all and stuff, but, but you and I have probably shared a little bit more cult culturally in common than, than most of the other guys. Yeah. So I see yeah. why it would be like a stick out. <laughs> but definitely, man, I just... I just want to encourage you guys out there. If, if you're hearing something from the Lord, just go up to someone and say just a simple hi or yeah. just like, hey, man, you're awesome. I like your haircut or, or just anything could change someone's day. Right. It could change the way they, they think. I mean, that's a testament right there. And I've heard this so many times, but sometimes us as just people, we get into our emotions and we don't like, we're like, man, forget that person or man, forget this. Like, they're going through whatever they're going through, but I'm going through what I'm going through. So forget them. Right. But it's like, we are supposed to, to die to ourselves, and we're supposed to die to, yeah, die to ourselves, just as Jesus did on the cross for our sins. Yeah, each, each, like he, he, he died on the cross for everything. And for us to just to be so self, I guess, self-aware. Self-aware. Yeah. Um, but basically just, just go up to someone, love them as Jesus right. would. And thank you, bro. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story, bro. Yeah, um, we are almost, yeah, we're at that time, but real quick, real quick. What is something that you want to tell someone who walked in your shoes? Just, just real quick, like 30 seconds. Yeah, what would you want to tell them? Because for some people, they, they don't believe they're like, Oh God, he's not real. This and that. Right. But what would be something you, you would want them to hear? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is just don't lose hope. You know what I mean? And, and, and find, um, 
keep searching for a place where you where you where you will experience the love of Christ and mm. don't stop searching until you find that place mm. um and once you find that place the Lord will bring everything that you've ever wanted to you amen 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 bro yeah, thanks, thank, man. You. thank yeah, you thank you it. thank you thank you so ladies and gentlemen there you have it Damian Ramirez he came here on this podcast hey bro um I like to highlight people so where could the listeners find you if they have any questions they want to talk to you about your story and yeah. like how you you know how you went through it no doubt I would love Instagram. that yeah man I, I love talking to new people getting to, getting to know people a little bit better and and just being whatever assistance I can through the Lord to them um you can reach out at Rams Cuts R-A-M-Z-C-U-T-Z on Instagram uh, Damien Ramirez, you can find me on Facebook. Um, and yeah, man, I think that's the, the whole plug for that because I don't really have too many social media, you know what I mean? Instagram and Facebook, I will tag or or put everything in the description on your host site. So if it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever, I will post all his information there. So bro, thank you so much for being my first in-person guest and sharing your story. We'll definitely have you back on this show. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together one more time for Damien Joshua Albert Edward <laughs> Ramirez. Yeah, Yay. man. Good things. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, bro. And we are out. Cool. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. 